It's time for JT the Brick. I'm working for free today. Get the blank out of here. The tackles that are coming into this program have now got to, one of them's got to pop like Daryl Russell. One of them's got to pop. Who's it going to be? How long have we been waiting for a young defensive tackle to come in here since Daryl Russell and go, I got this, don't take me off the field, I'm a beast. JT the Brick. I'm on a roll. I want an elite superstar 25-year-old linebacker who's going to play five years in a row. You're going to pay him a new contract, and he's just great. This place hasn't done that well, and now Dave Ziegler probably could do a much better job at that position, I would believe, because the Patriots had a lot of good linebackers. Play that rant again. I'll get the hell out of here. And now, here's JT the Brick. And filling in for JT today, here's Harry Ruiz. We're back here on the JT The Brick Show on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. June is about to end. We've got the final 11 hours, then July is right around the corner. And with July, we get training camp. And then with training camp, that's the official start of the preseason. And Raider Nation, August 4th. Hall of Fame game. And with the Hall of Fame, you got everything coming up with the Summer of Cliff and, of course, Raider Nation Radio and JT The Brick Show. We have fantastic guests. I loved all the interviews that JT has done recently with former teammates of Cliff Branch talking about the legend that he was on the field, three-time Super Bowl winning champion. And I haven't heard a bad thing about Cliff Branch from anybody that knew him so it's fantastic raider nation radio you got to be tuning in and we love hearing your stories and someone who i heard a lot of stories from because from october 2018 through march 2020 when the pandemic started i don't think i saw another human being in person more than the guy i got on the phone right now eric winalda u.s men's national team legend he played in three fifa world cups for the stars and stripes german bundesliga liga mx mls he's an amazing legend of the game and he still does a lot for the sport of soccer and something that some folks don't know about you eric you lived out out here in las vegas for a while how are you i'm good man i i uh i cut my day short for you um i was playing golf at canyon gate that's where i used to live when i when i first moved out here were you telling stories about how me i was trying to evade taxes is that what you were doing before on, on somebody just text messaged me? I was like, hey, it was a tax haven for you out here in Las Vegas when you <laughs> moved out here at first. But after you moved out here, you know it's like, hey, it's more than just avoiding the state tax like we all do out here in Las Vegas, right? Yeah, I, I'll tell you this, and I and you know this story better than most, but for your listeners, I, you know, when I, I moved out here in 92, uh, built a house, and, you know, like, like you said, I had an accountant that said, hey, you know, the, the government can only – uh, fed tax you um, uh, once, and then they, they're going to come after you with state tax, and all they know is that you have your address of your parents right now, so let's buy something. Uh, and I did, and I, I was supposed to be just a tax haven, but like you said, I fell in love with this city. I fell in love with Summerlin. Uh, the people were, were fantastic. It's a great place to raise a family, and so when I had the chance to, to come back here, I know it didn't all work out, but uh, we're still really enjoying Vegas. My wife loves it. She's uh, she's a, an attorney here in town, and uh, the kids love it. So it's it's uh, it was always our second home, and now it's it's really uh, it's really home for us. So still loving it. 
Yeah, and right before the break, I was talking with Bobby Machado, our producer on the air, and he was telling me he moved out here in 96. He was like, there was nothing when you talked about yeah. sports besides boxing, UNLV, the AAA baseball team, and now you got pretty much everything. And if you don't have it here yet, there's talks about it coming. LeBron James says he wants an NBA team here. He wants to own an NBA team out here in Vegas. Major League Baseball, the A's might be moving. MLS, they've expressed interest. From 92, when you were here, to now, Eric, 30 years later, how has yeah. the evolution, how have you seen it through your eyes? Oh, uh, it's nuts. I mean, I, I was with my son, who's 13, and we were playing golf at Canyongate, um, yesterday and what i was trying to tell him was like everything after durango nothing existed there was nothing in that direction and he's like wait what and i said yeah this was all dirt there was just nothing there so not only has the town grown uh, just in numbers but you know i remember that back then it's just all about you know tark and the running rebels and, and that was all people knew uh, and I, I think he might have alluded to boxing because boxing was the other reason why people come into town. But um, just the idea when when you mentioned when I first took the job with the lights, uh, just driving in, Allegiant Stadium was just sticks sticking out of the ground. And now you just can't imagine driving into town without seeing uh, uh, seeing the stadium first. So it's it is become you know. And I, I think I think we have to give the the Golden Knights a lot of credit because they really galvanized this whole town, and they were the first ones through that door. But people love their sports here; they always have. And I, I think that the realities of sports wagering uh, and the openness and the acceptance of that, uh, especially from the NFL, uh, has made it just a whole new ball game. So it's you know you you remember how that worked for me as a coach? I couldn't even talk about it. The one thing I could not say out loud was take the over because it was uh, it, it would have got me in big trouble. But as a as a citizen or just as a person or a fan of sports, it's a great time to be in Vegas. It's an absolutely great time to be here. Yeah, when you're involved with a franchise, like you pretty much can't even have a sports betting app on your phone. If not, you're right. going to get in I trouble. Remember I remember the speech. We had to tell all our players. So a couple of my players looked at me and said. I can't even bet on the Super Bowl, and I said, "Well, I don't know." I, I, I didn't They're like, even, "Just for sure, don't bet on our league." Yeah, no, don't bet on soccer. You know, I don't want to, you know, get involved in any of that. But I do think uh, sports have, you know, and to their credit, accepting um, accepting wagering and, and making it. It is a part of the game, and so many fans love it so much. You, you just need to be in this town during. Uh, uh, March Madness, and just see how full the play, uh, you know, most of the sports books are, and how much people enjoy that. So, it's always had that uh, that that stigma attached to it, which has been now lifted. So, a lot of people are just enjoying their sports a lot more. We're talking with Eric Winalda, U.S. men's national team legend. He participated in three FIFA World Cups. The U.S. is back in the World Cup. They had yeah. a little hiatus. They didn't qualify last time. Having them back in 2022 with this World Cup happening later in the year, uh, how important is it for the country and for the soccer culture, Eric, in the United States? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. Because right now, normally, we would be right in the middle of our World Cup. Yeah. This would be, um, but because it's in Qatar, so people that don't know that, it is in Qatar or Qatar or however you want to say it. And uh, it'll start in November and, and end in, in December. It's it's caused kind of quite a ruckus with all of UEFA and the European leagues. But in actuality, this is the first time that a World Cup 
will actually, and the timing of it, will be an advantage to Major League Soccer, will be an advantage to American players, because our season usually ends at about that time. So instead of having a bunch of guys that are having to walk away from their teams midseason, MLS is the only league that continues throughout the World Cup, uh, and playing not to get hurt, and then being asked to, to really you know, hit the accelerator, and a lot of these guys get hurt because they, they have just spent you know, two, three months um, really not pushing it, making sure they can, they can compete in a World Cup. This time they don't have that choice. They've got to play to the end of their seasons. They've got to be in the playoffs. Uh, they, they, they have to go full tilt, and so they'll be ready. They'll be ready and primed uh, uh, for this World Cup because of the timing of it. So I actually am very bullish on this. I think, I think the United States is going to do a hell of a lot better than most people are, are guessing. I think, I think we could see them possibly get into the final eight. Hey, I like hearing that. In the United States, in their group stage, Group B, they got England, Iran, and Wales. And from Wales is a guy that's now coming over to the United States, Gareth Bale with LEFC in the MLS. And part of it was he was going to be able to stay active throughout the the league for the World Cup and be ready right on time. How big of a move is this for the MLS and U.S. soccer getting a 32-year-old player who's a star who has won many Champions Leagues and league titles with Real Madrid coming over to our country? You know, I think a lot of this, there's, a, a, there's so many different opinions about this, and I'm sure he's getting beat up a lot um, for, you know, he's just coming over here to retire and play golf. I don't really think it's, it's, that's going to be the case, even though he did take his first promo picture from a golf course. I think mean, <laughs> he was in charge over there, not smart. But um, I do think that this is his last hurrah, and I think that's the way he's treating it. I, didn't, I, I, don't think, um, I don't think it's a bad move at all for him personally because he will be able to prepare uh, appropriately and then, and then pl- and give this last World Cup everything he's got. It, it probably would have been more dangerous um, – um, making a move from Real Madrid back to England or into another league where he could have suffered another injury. Uh, he, he could sustain an injury here too, but I think that this is uh, a great move for LAFC, who just picked up Chiellini. He's also an older guy, but still a, 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 you know, a well-versed professional. So uh, a great move for LAFC, um, interesting move for the league, and it's going to get a lot of attention. Uh, I think I think it's, it's going to be a really interesting match. We run out of the gates, I think. I think on... First game on the 21st is against Wales, so we'll we'll know if this plan worked out uh, when we get there. Yeah, and heads up, last time that the that Wales played in the World Cup was 64 years ago, so they're hungry <laughs> and they want to make yeah. it. We're complaining because of the United States didn't play in 2018. Wales out there in UEFA, it's a little bit harder than CONCACAF. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> well, you got Ireland, Scotland. I mean, there's there's so many. So, and then in Wales, they got to be ecstatic to be a part of this. It's kind of it's it's not the you know as far as the environment goes. I mean, Qatar is going to be a, a a whole set of circumstances that's going to affect everybody. But yeah, you know, good for them. I mean, I I hope they get their butts kicked by the Americans. But I still think uh, it's it's great to see them uh, have this achievement and be back in the World Cup. Hey, so. Talking about another World Cup, the under-20 squad for the United States, they clinched their spot in the next World Cup for them, and Mexico lost to Guatemala in penalty kicks. And heads are going to roll down there in Mexico because they, by losing in the quarterfinals last night, they don't make it to the World Cup, and they ain't going to play in the Olympics either. 
And they've won Olympic gold in 2012 and then the bronze in the last Olympics. And in the next one, they, they can't even participate. That's crazy, right? It's crazy, but at the same time, I mean, it, it, it always gets a bad rap. CONCACAF, um, always, there's always this assumption that the United States because and Mexico, just because we are as big as we are, we've been around for a while, that going down to El Salvador and Honduras and Guatemala, those should be easy trips. They're, they never are. They never are. And don't discount some of the talent that, that, um, that exists in Central America. I've, I've said this for years. It's the same with Africa. But I think, um, I think what's really happened is there's no longer that bully. They, you know, there's no, they, they can no longer go out there and, and, and play and instill fear in anybody. Nobody's afraid of Mexico. Nobody's afraid of the United States anymore at all. They, they, they go toe-to-toe, and, and they, make it, they make it a game, and they, they, they treat it as an opportunity to really showcase their talent. So I do think heads are going to roll, and people are going to say, oh, this is a travesty that, that um, uh, they got beaten. But uh, I, I, it doesn't surprise me at all. It, those games are hard, and it, it, they're only going to make us better by being able to get through those phases, uh, play in difficult games, even though World Cups are clearly more difficult. Uh, these are still great lessons for young players to figure out how, how to to have a culture of winning and to to maintain it. That's the hardest part. So you're a big soccer guy because you're a legend, Eric Winaldo. You've been through everything possibly to be able to do in the sport. You've been there. You've done that. I got to ask you about what's coming up out here in Las Vegas, July sixteenth. Chelsea against America. July twenty second. Chivas versus Juventus. July twenty third. Real Madrid, Barcelona. How big is this for the city? I, I love it. You know, they talked about it for so many years, uh, about especially El Clasico coming to the United States just in general. And then, you know, they tinkered with the idea of Florida. And, and then once Allegiant Stadium was built, uh, it's just such a, it's, it's, it's such a great thing for the city because uh, this is a global destination. I mean, when you really... Look at what happened with the, the, the venues for the World Cup. It was really disappointing to see Vegas get, get shunned because the reality is people want to be here. They, they want to come here and experience um, you know, what the city has to offer and to be able to throw in the likes of Chelsea, Juventus, and then, of course, the, 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 the Mexican teams. They bring such a, 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 so much passion out of people that it's, it's going to be a great event. It's going to be fantastic, and the organizers know that. Uh, we were able to see the U.S. versus Mexico uh, here live. Uh, it wasn't the, the best, uh, I would say, best showing as far as attendance went, but still a great game. Uh, and this, this city is, is really figuring out how to connect with the people and what those mechanisms are on the marketing side to make sure people know. And I hope they're making it affordable because that's, that's the other big gripe I always have with U.S. soccer is that uh, when they put on a game, they make it virtually impossible for just a, a, a regular family to just go and enjoy that. I mean, it charged me eight bucks for a Coke, but don't charge me a hundred bucks a ticket. And so, I, you know, for me, I still think soccer is such a great connector for our community, uh, for people that love sports and some of the people that don't even know soccer that well. Go see it. Go watch that. Go see that. Go be a part of that event, and, and you'll probably be hooked coming out. So you guys, you got guys that repped the U.S. national team like Christian Pulisic with Chelsea, Weston McKinney with Juventus, Sergio Dest with Barcelona. Having these home country guys, local guys representing European squads, that's something that you want to see going into a World Cup, right? 
Absolutely. I mean, there's a reason why they chose Liverpool uh, to do other events, and they don't choose Liverpool to come here. They don't have, don't have an American player in there. It's like Chelsea does. And you know, the global brand of Christian Pulisic is what people will, will, will see. I mean, he is a draw. So you'll see the teams that you would, you know, you see all the, the Manchester United folks complaining about everything, but they, <laughs> they, uh, they, they're not going to get to see their team because they're just not the same draw that they used to be. And, you know, I know Ronaldo figured out his legal stuff, so maybe he's allowed to come back, but I think they figured that legal stuff out a little too late, so they already committed to the likes of Juventus and Chelsea. But don't, don't make any mistake about it. That's the reason why they, they, they wanted to see those teams, because Weston McKinney and, and Christian Pulisic, those guys are big names now. People know who they are. People want to see them. They want to, they want to be proud of American players playing on the biggest, uh, the biggest clubs in the world. It's a, it's a very cool thing. So you played in Liga MX with Leon. I got to ask you, do you have any crazy stories going into Estadio Jalisco to play against Chivas or Estadio Azteca to play against America? Because those fan bases, they're rabid. They're crazy. They're passionate hey, they're crazy for their team. Man. I played against uh, Herrera at, uh, at, at uh, Toluca. And I, and, and I can't tell you what he, what he told me, but you know, it, it, we, we got in a great, it's just, it's just the, the rivalries that exist within the Mexican League um, are, are phenomenal. But when you play against America or you play against Cruz Azul or you play against the likes of Chivas at America, you know, you know it's, you really have to take it, – it really, if you're not really used to it, and as an American stepping onto the field representing a Mexican team, um, that was such a beautiful experience. And I, I still – I always go back to this, and every time the subject comes up, people need to understand – the rivalry between the United States and, and Mexico has nothing to do with hate. There's, there, we do not hate each other. We are. We mentioned boxing before. Look, Roberto Duran needed Sugar Ray Leonard. They didn't hate each other. They just recognized that they made each other better because of the rivalry. So when I got to go there and I got to be a part of the Mexican uh, culture and, and be one of the first Americans to play down there, I know um, uh, Dominic Kinnear had been down there, Sorber and, and Balboa and, and Tab Ramos had played at Tigres, but... What a what! Just the people were beautiful. They they take their shirt off their back for you, and uh, I just think so many times there's just a false perception of what that all means. You know, the, my experience in Mexico was uh, was amazing, and if I could go back in time and change it, I probably would have tried to spend a hell of a lot more time down there because uh, the fans are great. They love their sport. They get a little carried away. I'll admit it. They get a little carried away at oh, times. Yeah. But uh, what a great place to, to uh, enjoy the sport. It was wonderful. I lived out there for 12 years in a city that you probably visited to play against Santos in Torreón, Coahuila. And the fan base yeah, is very, very passionate. And that's how I learned about soccer. When I moved to Torreón from Los Angeles, all I knew was Lakers basketball, Raiders football, and baseball. But I go out there, and the only thing they give you on TV is soccer, literally. Right. You right. turn on a TV, it's soccer, 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 soccer. And you get hooked, and it got me hooked. And like you said, U.S., Mexico, like, yeah, they got that uh, rivalry, but it's not hate. It's like, don't take uh, it to that don't, next just, I just want people to understand that. It really yeah. is. I mean, I, I was down there in Leon and Guanajuato, and I bought a bunch of shoes. I'll tell you that. I never bought more leather shoes in my whole life than I would – my time and that's that like the perfect best place. capital in the world yeah but uh it, it was it it was um the fields the the environment the the, the fans it's different it's very different it has a different feel to it but i i you know once you're in in you know you're 
in it and, and you're a part of it and, you, and you're a part of that team. And um, it, it really is, is something that even surprised me. At the time, I was a little nervous about it. I didn't know how it was going to go, but uh, great teammates um, and, a, and just a great club. I played for the great uh, Victor Vucetic, who, yep. who uh, was a wonderful manager. And, and um, I was just you know, really lucky. I, unfortunately, I got hurt and came home, but it was, uh, it was a good time while I was there. We're talking with Eric Winaldo, U.S. men's national team legend, a Las Vegas resident. He's been out here some sort of way since 1992. He coached the Las Vegas Lights FC out here for a while. It was fun working with him while he was with the team, and I was very fortunate enough to create a good friendship with Eric. Eric, i got to ask you. What's next in your career? Because you've done pretty much everything from being a player to being an analyst to being a coach. Fantastic in all three phases. Do you still want to be involved in soccer in the organized way? Or do you prefer to just be waiting on the outside? Because I know that you got a lot to still give to the sport out here in the States. I, look, we, you know, I got to see you the other night, which was great to see you, by the way. Um, and we, we got to see the lights game and Got to catch up with some old friends, Steve Pastorino and, and Chris Chapman, and some of the, group, the crew that used to work with uh, with the lights. And and I would be lying to you if I didn't sit there in the stands and think about what it'd be like to be back on the sidelines. I do miss it. Um, through the pandemic, I've been doing a lot of consulting and um, figuring out how to help other clubs get better to assess what their business model is. And I learned a lot, actually, over the last couple of years about how things are done in France, how things are done in Belgium and Germany and Holland. Um, and that's been, you know, just staying involved is, is great. Um, you know, being able to watch my son's, you know, games and watch him play has been, has been pretty cool. But um, I, I, I would, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't itching to get back on the sidelines or get back involved in, with a team or a club that I could, I could help get better. And I, that, that really was unfortunate what happened here with the lights and pandemic didn't help and and it's um i feel for the fans you know lucy forza and uh electrico those guys kind of went away and that's really sad you know that they lost their team and they don't have anything to support but because uh, they feel that that this las vegas lights team is really a foreign team because they come out of la now so um yeah i want to get back involved i do i do and i and it'd be great to to, to find a, a spot where i could embrace their culture and and just make them a better team and win. That's, that's kind of what I miss. Absolutely. Eric, where can people follow you on social media to keep up with you? Because you're fantastic on Twitter, that's for sure. I know there's an Instagram account out there. I don't know if it's yours or not. But where can people connect with you? It's hilarious. It's, it's at Eric Winalda with a little check mark. you got to find that. The Instagram is Eric with an underscore Winalda 11. And, and the funny part is, is apparently, uh, and I didn't realize this, but there's like six accounts out there uh, that that have my name attached to them on an Instagram and Twitter. There's drunk Winalda, there's sober Winalda, there's uh, <laughs> lost way. It's hilarious. But I actually started following those guys to think, you know, just to listen to see what they think I am actually doing. But uh, yeah, just at Eric Winalda, simple as you get. I love Twitter. I I I, I do interact. I I enjoy uh, people's you know responses, and I re- enjoy their. Uh, their opinions. I, I never crush anybody, and I never ever just delete somebody or you know unfollow them or 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 uh, block them just because I don't like what they're saying. I, I'm I, life's too short. I'm I'm not going to get into those uh, those wars. 
There you go. Go enjoy your family, Eric. Thank you so much. Please say hi to Bredo. I hope he keeps keeps killing it out there on the pitch. And I don't know if he's still playing baseball, but he's an amazing amazing baseball player. You got a five-tooled athlete out there. It's in the well, genes. It looks like we're going golf now, man. Golf might be his new thing, but uh, I'm looking forward to the next time I get to see you, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Eric Winalda, U.S. Men's National Team legend here on the JT The Brick Show. Raider Nation, the JT The Brick Show is brought to you by Modelo, a model of what a good beer should be, delivering a crisp, refreshing taste. Find a Modelo Especial in a store near you. I need to go grab some to drink a couple with Eric one of these days in the future. It's been a while since I've had a beer or two, but that's a fantastic excuse. Let's go to a break, Raider Nation. After it, I want to hear from you. 702-365-9200. Which Raider jersey would you want to buy right now of a current player? Let me know after this break. This is a JT The Brick Show. So it was a fabulous year because during that season, we had traded Kenny Stabler to Houston for Dan Pastorina, and, and here was Jim going through the same thing that he went through in 83, being the starter, losing his job for an injury when Mark Wilson take it off. Now he's in the same situation as a backup, and instead of letting him compete for the job, they was giving the job to Pastorini right off the bat. And then at the fifth game of the season, Pastorini got hurt, and Jim took us on this roller coaster ride where we were, he was nine and two as a starter, taking us to the Super Bowl, and being MVP of the Super Bowl and being Comeback Player of the Year, it was just a Cinderella story. Yeah, we all love Jim. My God, fantastic. Summer Cliff Raider Nation, someone Jim threw the ball to. Right now, right here in the offseason, we want to hear your stories from Cliff Branch. I know a lot of you folks met him out there in Oakland when he had all those autograph signings. I had my experience, and I'll talk about it tomorrow on the show, and it was fantastic. I want to hear yours Call me, 702-365-9200. I was this close to saying away my phone number. It popped in my head. I was like, wait, no, it's a 702. My phone number is in the 702, so 702-365-9200. This is the JT The Brick Show. We're brought to you by Salmon Ash at Salmon Ash Injury Law. Our personal injury lawyers in California and Nevada do everything to take the pressure off of you. So I was asking the Raider Nation because I want to know your opinion. And I love the call from Gangsta Raider of which Raider jersey he would buy right now. And he talked about the number 98 and number 83 on the squad, Max Crosby and Darren Waller, both because they're studs on the field, they're crazy good, but also their comeback story, how they came back from addiction and they're doing an amazing job both on the field and on the com in the community. And I asked you because I, I went to the Raider Image in downtown Summerlin that just opened today. They had a 30% off sale from noon to one, and now it's 20% off all the way till the end of Tuesday. And I saw the stitch jerseys, which I prefer the stitch jerseys. I know why they do the sticker jerseys, the, the ones that aren't like real, and they still charge pretty penny for those because it's easier to get rid of those. I mean, you sell them for cheaper. You just, if you end up losing that player for X, Y, or Z, you just throw them away and it doesn't cost you that much money. If it's a stitch jersey, 
that's a loss that's going to be bigger for you and the franchise and the store both like for example Raider Image which is owned by the Raiders or uh, Lid Store which is owned by an, owned by another company or Fanatics or NFLshop.com all of those folks it's a loss for them if the player ends up being traded retires something else happens so I went in there and they had stitched jerseys for Darren Waller and two smalls for my Max Crosby. So I ended up going for the Waller jersey. That was my choice. And I add it now to, to my collection. Hopefully, Darren Waller ends up staying with the Raiders. And he was recently on a podcast on the All Things Covered podcast where he was asked about his contract situation and what is happening right now with him and the Raiders. And this is what the Raiders tight end had to say. When I look at the pay scale, Darren, they, you're getting seven million dollars. Seven million dollars. Do you are you hopeful that you can get a a deserving pay raise before the start of the season? Uh, I, I am hopeful, yeah. Um, but I also don't, you know, want to make an expectation of mm -hmm. people control over them, uh, and then you know have a resentment or something form in that. You know, I just try to focus on how I'm showing up for the team and know that you know. I trust God's timing in all things. You know, that's what's helped help my life get back on track. And, uh, but yeah, I'm hopeful that, that something does get done and, you know, things are in the works. But while those things are happening, I'm going to continue to work and make sure that I show up prepared and that I have the right attitude. No holdout, no nothing. Darren Waller, right attitude, going to work, getting things done, getting better every day. I insist this is part of the All Things Covered podcast, that little soundbite that you just heard. You can listen to the whole show on YouTube. Brian McFadden was the host that was asking uh, the question over to Darren Waller. And I love that. That's the attitude you got to have because you've seen in the past guys like Le'Veon Bell holding out not going to training camp, not going to the preseason, and heck, not playing in a whole season because he wants a new deal. He wants guaranteed money. And the Steelers didn't budge, and they ended up trading him the next year to the Jets. What's Le'Veon Bell doing now? He's fighting in a celebrity boxing match against Adrian Peterson because that's the way they want to get money right now. That's the way they can get money right now. So Adrian Peterson, he's still a free agent. He's not signed with any other team. He's like, all right, what do I do right now? I'm not getting any offers. Let's go fight another NFL player. That's what they're doing. Darren Waller, he knows the money is coming eventually. And I hope it is while he's wearing silver and black because he brings a lot to this team. When he got here, the Raiders had a good tight end. Jared Cook, I enjoyed watching him play with the silver and black. You brought in Darren Waller, and nobody knew who Darren Waller was. But John Gruden and Greg Olson, they brought him in because they saw him practicing before the Raiders played the Ravens in Baltimore and said, hey, who's that beast? He's a menace. He's big. Look at those hands. He's catching everything thrown his way. Let's get him off their practice spot. They had to sign him to their 53. And then next year, four games in, they were like, you know what? We need to give him an extension right now because he's damn good. He outplayed that extension. He's a very good player. He's one of the best tight ends in the league. I always say he's a top three tight end in the league. Why? Well, we know why he's a top three. But you say top three because there's two guys up there, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, which are very good players, which are paid as 
the top tight ends in the league. And Darren Waller, he's not getting paid as one, but he is one of the top tight ends in the league. They asked him, who are the best tight ends in the NFL? What's the top five? And this is what Darren Waller had to say. I need your top five tight ends currently in the league right now. And I don't want to give you the easy way out. I want you to include yourself if you believe you're a top five tight end. All right. Is this uh, ranked or just names? Ranked. Okay. Um, Your number one, one through five. Five. I'll go Mark Andrews. Okay. Baltimore. Or I'll go Kyle Pitts. Okay. Ooh, you got to, ooh, you got Kyle already in the top five at the one year. Number four. Okay. Um, three, I'll go Kittle. Two, I'll go Kelsey. One, I'm going myself. Oh, y'all heard it. The source came from the source. Darren Waller. That's a lose-lose situation for poor Darren. When you're able to include yourself on the list, or well, when, when they don't give you another option and tell you, you got to include yourself in the list. And he goes number one. Raider Nation, we agree, right? We love it. Darren Waller, you got to say number one. The thing is, now all the haters, all the fans for the other teams, they're going to be like, oh, how can you say you're better than Kittle? How can you say that you're better than Kelsey? What else is he supposed to say? For us, it's easier to say it because we're on the outside. But on the inside, on the field, you better believe that you're the best player. Especially when you're a guy with the kind of play that Darren Waller has shown at Allegiant Stadium, at Arrowhead Stadium, at SoFi, at all the pitches, all the fields out here on the on the in the NFL. You have to say that you're the best. And especially when you're in contract negotiations to get an extension. If you say, well, I don't want to put myself in the top five, why not? Then the Raider Nation is like, dude, you are a top five. Put yourself up there. I think general consensus, we all say top three. And coming off of the season in 2021 where he didn't shine, not because of his fault, but because of injuries, he didn't shine as much as he did in 2020. For 2019, but we know the kind of quality player that the Raiders have in Darren Waller. And most importantly, the quality of human being that the Raiders have, both in the locker room and in the community. Now that I don't want to say the pandemic is over, but that we're in the phase of the pandemic where everybody's like following through with their lives like it used to. I love it to see players, Jonathan Abram, building beds in the community. Devontae Adams having his uh, kids camp, his youth camp. Same thing as Josh Jacobs, who did it for the second year in a row. Darren Waller doing all his projects, giving back to the community. The rookies, they had him out at the Boys and Girls Club out here in Las Vegas. They were giving back to the community. Darren Waller, he does a great job in that, and especially showing the way that he came back from addiction and becoming one of the best players in the NFL in his position, helping Max Crosby do the same. These are the kind of players that you want in your franchise. The Raiders have one, and I love what he said earlier in the first soundbite that we played. Yeah, his agents, they're taking care of that. He's there. He's putting in the work, and there's no sign at all of him holding out for a better contract. The Raiders, there's talks. Negotiations, extension, 
possible. Will it happen? I don't know. This year, that's a question mark. If he's still without an extension next year, once 2023 kicks in, once that season's over, they got to kick into a higher gear. And the thing is, every year, players in every position get paid. And that makes your negotiations even harder. If not, ask the Washingtons of the world. Ask the Kansas Cities in the world. Because the moment that the Raiders traded for Devontae Adams and gave him the bag, then that got Kansas City in trouble with Tyreek Hill. Then that got Washington into trouble with uh, McLaurin. And all those players is like, hey, you know what? They're getting the bag. I want the bag too. Stephon Diggs, he gets paid by Buffalo. So they keep letting time pass by. Other tight ends get paid, and that becomes the norm. It's like, all right, this guy's getting an extension. I want more than that. This guy's getting the extension. I want more than that, like it was all the time with the quarterback club in the NFL. Raider Nation, let's take a break, and we'll be right back here on Raider Nation Radio on the JT The Brick Show. It's Thursday. The weekend is here. Let's go. We had our expectations. Everybody had our expectations for us. A lot of stuff happened throughout the season that derailed us. But I'm proud of how we just kept fighting and kept, you know, keeping the faith. And every day was trying to work towards something. You could take that away from the season. Kept fighting. Kept keeping the faith. Well, that was Kevin Durant after the season ended. And now, with free agency kicking off, Kevin Durant, he doesn't have faith on the in the Brooklyn Nets anymore. There's no more fighting him over there. He has requested a trade. Desired destinations listed at the moment. I, I asked Bobby, I was like, what are your guesses? And, if, and he went with teams that are ready to win it. Boston, which he's a fan of, and Milwaukee, which recently won the title. But... According to Woj over at ESPN, preferred destinations for Kevin Durant, Phoenix, which should have done way better last year in the playoffs, and Miami go over with Jimmy Butler. That's that's interesting, Bobby. And uh, Kevin Durant, what do you think about him? I'd like to see him as a Celtic. But having said that, um, I... Phoenix, I don't know. I think I think he'd kill the team in Phoenix. I think they've got some good chemistry going over there. They really don't need to drop a Durant in to just bleep up the chemistry over there. Miami, I could see. I, I could see Miami being a little more realistic. I mean, I Jimmy Butler is probably a better version, quote-unquote, of Kyrie Irving, so that gives him something more to work with. And he's got more role players to work with over there also. I think he has to go to a team where there's a culture where he can go in there and not yeah. just be a guy where it's like it's my team and I'm taking over and this is the Kevin Durant show. He went to Golden State. He was a great player. He won the finals MVP a couple of times. But it was Steph Curry's team. It was Steve Kerr's team. It Which was, is why he split. Exactly. But he got those rings. Now, I think if he goes to Miami, that's good. It's a Spo, it's Spo's team. It's Pat Riley's team. It, you're part of the squad, but you're not the end-all, be-all. So I think Miami would be a good option. And, heck, if you go to Boston, 
you know you're going to be a part of the squad. You're not going to be the focal point where yeah. everything goes through you. It's like, no, that yeah, he's, team he's has... Not, he's, he's not going to be the Jason Tatum next year or anything like that. I can't see that. But the only reason I threw that out there is because I've heard... Uh, people over in Boston that are actually talking right now about, I, I, can we possibly get Kevin Durant? I'm like, God, please just stop, but whatever. Um, yeah, no, I can see, um, hey, what the hell? Let's put him on the Lakers. You know, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a sinking ship. Go ahead, stick him over there, whatever. Right, have um, fun I, with I, LeBron. I, you know what I could actually see? I could see him going with Kyrie Leonard and being like one of the Clippers. Oh, my that, God. So, that I could see. So what, they trade for Paul George, the Nets? There's your, there's your big three, right? Yeah. Kyrie, Durant, and um, Paul Jump. George. No, but then, so, you got to, it's going to be a trade. It's not going to be just a straight up yeah, yeah. free agent signing. So, you got to send something back. I don't think the Nets would be like, just offload contracts and give me picks. And yeah, right, right now, the Nets are so screwed, if you'll pardon the expression. Yeah, they'll take draft picks. They hey, don't care. But what an unlucky franchise. They did that big trade for, well, unlucky and stupid. I can say. Dude, the, the New Jersey Nets. What are you expecting? Brooklyn. And now. <laughs> it's, it's I know. Same thing. I it's know. The they went, culture, they went so from doing that trade for KG and Paul Pierce, and they completely sank the ship. Mm -hmm. And then they make the tr trade for Kevin Durant, and they get Kyrie Irving, and it's like, all right, hey, you might have something. And they traded for Blake Griffin. They got DeAndre Jordan. They're trying to get pieces around them. And the pandemic hits, and no Kyrie Irving, and it's limited, and then Kyrie, okay, I'm opting back in, and it's like, oh my god, now what? See, that's the thing. I've never been a big fan of these, trying to build these super team things. All right, you did the first Do your squad the right way! You, you, you did the first one with the Celtics, okay, fine, Pierce, they brought in Garnett, and they brought in Ray Allen, cool. But, I mean, when it gets to, to where you are now, you're just basically throwing any three all-stars together and going, this is going to work out. They'll play well together. No, not necessarily. Not everybody is buddies with everybody out there. You know what I mean? You can't exactly. just, you can't, you know, and then you take a guy like Durant. Left a, a, a fantastic team, one, one of the big, one with the possibilities of being one of the best teams of all time. Yep. Walks away from that, takes the money over in Brooklyn, which is fine. Not going to, Bisperts you for getting your money. They want to build a team around. They bring him Kyrie Irving, which you know is going to be a mistake to begin with. You brought in James Harden, which you knew was going to be a mistake. He didn't want to be there. He gets traded off. You bring in Ben Simmons, who's the biggest bleeping head case in the NBA right now. Yep. And, and you think you're going to win with that kind of thing? Come on, man. And, and, and plus, I mean, you've got these three people that have taken up like 85% of your salary cap. Which means you've got nine more players, and you're basically taking fifteen percent of your. You're giving salary. them a little bit more than one yeah. percent to the rest of them. It's right, and and then now, but now you've got a locker room where you've got nine guys that are like living on food stamps or whatever, and you've got three other guys that are driving Maseratis. And don't tell me that doesn't piss people off because it does. Yeah, I know can, human beings, and they can get a different Maserati every month. Yeah, I, but that's the point. I mean, now and now you want your like point guard to step up and be as good as Durant and Kyrie whatever and paying him 125th of what these guys are making. Nobody's going to put up with that crap. You know as well as I do. Exactly. And you look over at the Suns, a team that is on the list of teams that he might want to go to, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of over at ESPN. Devin Booker, they drafted him. DeAndre Ayton, mm -hmm. they drafted him. Mm -hmm. Of course you're going to bring in pieces in free agency right. and in trades, but they're building the team the right way. But nowadays, it's like Les Need over at the Rams. What do they say? F the picks. Mm -hmm. 
I'm just going to go and make this team good right and right here, right now. Cool. And it's like, hey, you're risking your future. With that one exception, exactly. You're risking your future. Right now, cool. You got an option. You can win right now, and then the future, you never know what you're going to get. Draft picks, they're a coin toss. Mm-hmm. Some are going to pan out. Some won't. But they are, I don't want to say cheap labor. But they're but they affordable <laughs> affordable contracts for the team, manageable. I don't want to say it, but I said it. Uh, but and that, that's, but that's in the, the NFL and the NBA. That's the case. But that's the thing. Now, the Brooklyn Nets are the flip side of the L.A. Rams coin, where the, these guys just went out and did everything they could, bring in every player they can to try to get to the Super Bowl. However, they were smart about it and brought in players that were going to work well together. You can't just go out and pick three all-stars, slap them on a team in... Seattle or whatever, and just hope this whole thing is going to work. I can't see that happening. You got to exactly. make sure you got to make sure there's some continuity. You got to make sure there's some kind of chemistry, and you know you just can't. And you also got to make sure that I mean I hate to say Tom Brady, but you got to have players that are not going to just completely bankrupt the team. You got to have players that are like we have a single-minded focus here, which is to win a title. And I'm not so concerned about the money because I'm going to make the money once I get the ring anyway. You know, for example, you got a team with the Celtics. I mean, you know, Jason Tatum is not making $55 million a year while Marcus Smart is making 14 You know what I'm saying? Because yep. that, that kind of thing really does distract a locker room, ultimately. Yeah. And even you look at the Jalen Brunson situation. I was listening to JT oh, yesterday, and it's true. It's like, hey, this kid averaged 16 points a game, and then in the playoffs, 21. And because of that, you're going to sell everything to go get him? It's like, well... It's it's the NBA right now, and guess what? I ain't going to blame the kid. You know what? I'll say this real quick because we're almost out of here. Rick Brunson, his dad, used to yeah. go to the same high school that I got thrown out of, Salem High School in Salem, Massachusetts. <laughs> I love it how you described it. Not the same high school I used to go to. It's the same high school I got thrown out of. <laughs> I, dude, I barely, I, I barely even showed up at the place half the time. I just saw the kid once in a blue moon. I barely even went to school. <laughs> That's As awesome. if you can't tell. Raider Nation, thank you so much. It was great being back here with you on the JT The Brick Show. I'm hungry, so I'm going to head out to Grimaldi's Pizzeria. You're working from home? Get yourself a Grimaldi's. Order online at grimaldispizzeria.com. And also, shout out to Resorts World. It's UFC International Fight Week out here in Las Vegas. They got the official viewing party at Red Tail LV, the official after party at Zug Nightclub, Resorts World. They got you covered. Check them out. It's definitely going to be a blast. UFC 276, I'm a UFC fan. Unfortunately, I'm going to be working at that time, but I'm going to catch the replay because definitely they got great fights going on over here at T-Mobile Arena. Let's go, Raider Nation. It's time to take a break from me. But coming up next, you got Q on Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio. And check out the morning tailgate tomorrow from 7 to 10 with Vinny, Clay, and Heidi. Have a great day, Raider Nation. Raider Nation.